Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Gabby Roslin. Hello, Sam Pinkham. We're here sitting in for Mr. Evans on this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up... The super talented duo of Stephen Graham and Jack McMullen wow and intrigue us with news of their BBC One drama, Time. The king of showbiz, Les Dennis, gets our toes tapping with all the latest on his return to the West End for Hairspray, the musical. The hilarious Nick Mohammed gets us thinking and giggling with tales from series two of his hit show, Intelligence on Sky One. And the acting powerhouse that is Papa Essiedu gets under the skin of his new Channel 5 drama, Anne Boleyn. Oh, it's so good, so good. All of that and so much more to come. Now, Dapper Dave, tell us who's our first guest. If you want powerhouse performances from the best of British, then look no further. The new Jimmy McGovern drama, Time, starts this Sunday on BBC One. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to have a fine time talking about time. So pay attention because it'll be over in no time as we welcome Stephen Graham and Jack McMullen. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Oh, Come on, on. they're back in. They're back in the nick. Yeah. How did you time yeah, that? That, that police siren. That was good. <laughs> who's got it, Jack or Stephen? Who's got the siren? I think that might be me. That's you, Jack. Where are you? You've been, you've been nicked. <laughs> that was brilliant timing thanks for sorting that out for live radio um, uh, welcome both of you so lovely to speak to you and thank you so much we had a, a sneaky look at the series wow it is phenomenal Stephen uh, Jimmy McGovern piece time uh, obviously the trails have been going out again and again and again tell us all about it please Stephen um, it's kind of it's a story about these two men um, ordinary men who are thrust into extraordinary circumstances really um, you follow Sean Bean's character Sean's magnificent in this uh, and he's a teacher who who commits crime um, and is put into prison and then you kind of follow his journey and how he has to cope and survive and then running alongside that parallel is my character Eric and his story um, He's a, I play a prison warden and prison officer um, and I, I'm kind of faced with these dilemmas and and these, my moral compass is, is put into question, do you know what I mean, as, as I face these circumstances, which are beyond my control, really. So it's kind of, it's kind of how they both deal with, with life in, in the prison. I, what's so incredible about this, Stephen, is that all of the cliches obviously come out, and I apologise now for calling it gritty, but it's gritty, it's real, it's Thank raw. You, but it's also heartbreaking. I mean, you and your, your wife, and your real wife, your wife in yeah. this and your real wife, Hannah, yeah. there are some scenes between the two of you where I was, I was in bits and I was crying. I mean, it's just incredible. Congratulations on this, Stephen. Another oh, award-winning show. Thank you so show. much. No, thank I'm, you very much. All of you, the whole cast. I mean, this yes, is... Yes, that's, that's it, oh. Gabby, as well. Do you know what I mean? As an ensemble cast, I mean, I know you've got these two characters who you're following their story, but the ensemble cast with, with some amazing talent, the likes of, you know, Jack, obviously, who's, who's speaking in a minute. You've got Jack, you've got 
Bobby Schofield, James Nelson Joyce. We've got a wonderful cast of young men, um, and just every single character. Jimmy's writing is is, is brilliant. It's, it's it's you know some of the best I think we have in this country, um, and his characters are always three dimensional. And then throwing a, a, a brilliant, talented young director, Lewis Lewis Arnold, in the mix, and and then it, it just creates a lovely playground for those actors to really create. You know what I mean? And and just feel you, you trust the director implicitly. Um, Lewis just created this wonderful atmosphere on set and it was, it was just a great joy to do actually I know it's really heavy and, and gritty and hard but we did have a laugh didn't we Jack we had a right laugh on set as well yeah we filmed right in the middle of the second lockdown I think we were all just delighted to be out of the house <laughs> oh that's it you're yeah. out of the house but you're certainly locked down yeah. you're locked in and locked yeah. down Jack, yeah. Jack you're, pretty, you're, you're cell sharing with, with Sean Bean what was that like? Obviously, brilliant to work with Sean. Um, what I really enjoyed was th- that I feel like our two characters are at opposite ends of their relationship with their own grief. So that was something that uh, I enjoyed exploring. It was lovely to work with, with Sean and Stephen. And uh, Stephen said there, Lewis Arnold, which is a brilliant director. I was really excited to work with him as well. The thing about it is, it's so good. The acting in it is so good that you're so drawn in as a viewer that you can't escape the story when you try yeah. to leave your TV. And I watched the first yeah. episode one with my dad, and my dad couldn't, he couldn't continue because he was so drawn in by what would I do if I was in this situation? Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, Thanks, Sean. That's, that's what we're after, isn't it, Jack? That's that, that kind of look, you know, we, I feel very blessed to, to, be, to do the job I do, um, and I love it, and I'm extremely grateful that I'm allowed to do this job. And, and, but in the respect of something like this, you know, you, you, you try and be selective and choose the work where you can, not, not just the entertainment of what it is, but if you can come into someone's living room and just make them think for a split second, you know what I mean? Guys, thank you so much for coming on to join us. We could talk to you all day. Jack, Jack, Stephen, please never break the law. Congratulations, You've had an insight into how bad it could be, Jack. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Oh, no, I never want to end up in there. Absolutely not. That. I mean, that's just that. say as well, Jack, Jack and the other young lads, I know I mentioned them before, but their performances, Gab, as you said, their yeah. performances are phenomenal. And I'm not being funny. They play these characters so beautifully with so much truth and integrity. And they're some of the most wonderful fellas I've ever met in my life. And just the oh, amount of pride I had watching them. There was a scene that Jack does, and I, and I was in awe. I was, I was sitting there watching them. Um, and, I, and, I, and then I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I've got to say a line now. Because he was just magnificent. <laughs> he really and Bobby is. and, and all the other fine. boys, all the other lads, they were absolutely outstanding. Who's just the, a well give a shout out to James Joyce and Bobby <laughs> Schofield there. Who's the, who's the terrifying yeah. one who bops uh, Sean Bean on the nose? <laughs> James, oh, James Joyce. Joyce. Oh, James Joyce. And, he's, oh, and he's probably one of the most loveliest fellas no, you'll ever not. meet. No, he's not. No, yeah. he's terrifying. He's terrifying. No, he's not. <laughs> no, I won't hear it another way. I won't hear it another way. We believe you, but congratulations to all the cast. Actually, seriously, please congratulate everybody and Lewis, the director, and Jimmy. It's It really is outstanding. Five stars across thank the board. The previews oh, have been thank amazing. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks, gents. Yeah, Have cheers. a great weekend. Happy anniversary, See ya. Happy anniversary. Ta-da. Cheers. Time, time, time starts this Sunday, the 6th of June, 9pm, BBC One. All three availables will be available after that on BBC iPlayer. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. It's a showbiz dream to be married to Michael Ball, and our next guest has made that dream come true. <laughs> He's hitting the stage as Wilbur Turnblad when Hairspray the Musical returns to the West End. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the light entertainment heavyweight that is the legendary Les Dennis.
Oh, morning, morning, Sam, Gabby, and oh. David. That wasn't smug at all. That was a lovely. <laughs> he can be though, no, Les. He can't be, no, no, he can be. Quite ignore, smug. Sam. He knows he's Les. I've been on the tube with him. Where, 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 oh. where, where, where? Do you remember, Dave? We were on the tube once, and a couple of young ladies walked on, and they just looked. They just stared at him, and I went, "Look!" And he said, "That happens quite a lot." No. <laughs> You know That's what? That's not true. Les, they're making it all up. How are you, lovely Les? I'm really, really well, thanks, Gabby. Really, it's a lovely morning and we're in rehearsals for Hairspray <sighs> and I couldn't be happier. I'm so It came at the last minute for, the, for me, this show, and I'm really excited to be reprising my role as Wilbur Turnblad and I get to snog Michael Ball eight times a week. Oh, <laughs> you see, there's... In every single way, I'm excited about this because it's a return to live shows, which I love. Yeah. But also, this is one of my favourite musicals. It's a fantastic musical, and it's a really timely musical. It's it's so now in you know, I mean, it's about the '60s. It's about um, integration, and it's it's so timely right now and joyous. And I think we we can't wait to get back into the theatre, the, the Coliseum Theatre is the biggest theatre in London. And we will, at first, from the 21st of June, start with um, socially distanced uh, performances. But um, once we get the go-ahead, you know, as many people as once, I think it's up to 3,000 that can fill that theatre. We can't wait for that sound of applause, of laughter, of just joy, you know? Les, how do you socially distance kiss Michael Ball? Or are you in the same, you're in the same, you know? We're in our bubble. You're in your we're bubble. In, we, we're in our own little bubble, me and Michael, so so we can we can do that. Um, and, you know, there's no way they couldn't because um, Edna and Wilbur and Tracy Turnblad, they're, they're a force as a family. You know, um, Wilbur is, is a lovely part to play because he is this loving dad and husband. You know, uh, there's a point where... Um, uh, Edna says that you know that the the joke shop is your life, and he says, "No, you two are my life, my two funny honeys." He loves them so much, and so it's you know we we I get to do a wonderful um, song uh, duet with Michael Ball, um, uh, "You're Timeless to Me," which is just joy uh, every night um, because I did it when uh, when it came out of the West End last time, which is about 13 years ago now, um, we went on tour with it. So it hasn't been um, in the West End for a good uh, 12, 13 years. So it's just great to bring it back. Do you know what? I'd quite like to be in that showbiz bubble. Wouldn't that be a bubble to be in? Les Dennis on one side and Michael Ball on the other. Yes, please. It's great. It's great. I can't wait to see it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be, actually might come every night because I love it that much. Aww. The songs are brilliant. They just make you feel good as well. It's a proper... Yeah, I mean, it's uplifting show with Michael Ball. It starts Ball. with Good Morning Baltimore and it goes right through You Can't Stop the Beat and Welcome to the 60s. Just great songs. Now, we want to find out if this is a true story or not. Something I mentioned earlier. Yeah, Les, is it yeah. true, is it true that, you, that you use your... your, your, your uh, this is delightful. You're delightful. Your fingernails as toothpicks. Oh, this is... Where I mean, this is going to haunt me, isn't it? It really <laughs> is. From, this came from when I was on Would I Lie to You? And um, I'd done really well. And then, and then all you know, nobody guessed anything that I... Um, any of my true stories. Um, they all thought they were false. And then this one came up. Uh, and it, somebody found it somewhere. It's something... It's something I've stopped doing since I did the show. I just find that 
I mean, it's recycling. Oh, my please, yes, you know, yes. I've known you long enough. I didn't know this about you. It's just, oh, no, no. Okay, so how does it, I mean, I know this is slightly screwed, but how does it work? Do you, do you clip them or do you bite them off first and then just use them? No! Well, we need to know, Gabs. No. We need to know. They're, 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 they're slightly clipped and then they're just, they're, they, it's like, it's like a, 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 kind of a better toothpick. You can get in. But I don't do it anymore. I've stopped. No, I don't believe you. If if this rumour was out there about me, I would say, I don't do it anymore. Of course you do. The reaction on social media was was mixed. (laughs) Some people admitted to doing it themselves, and other people were like, oh, my God. And then other people were like, what? Your toenails? And I go, no, not my toenails. (laughs) It is. You'd be very good at yoga. We all all kind of, like, stick our teeth in, our, our, our fingernail in, don't we, when when they're on. Yeah, they're still exactly. On. Do you know what? It's just removing. It's yeah. still oh, clean. It's the removing, it's oh. the removing bit, Les. Do you never Come use on. your hair, Gabs? Because your hair would be great, great at flossing. No, it no. would just ping. Oh, would it ping? Oh, would it ping? No, <laughs> just use floss for flossing. Thank you very much, Les Dennis. Thank you very much. It'd be one of those ones on Family Fortunes. It would be, ah, ah. Yeah, no. it would be, an, uh, uh, and I'd have to say, I'll give you the money myself. Yeah, oh, there he said his catchphrase. Perfect. Do it again. Go on, say it again. If it's up there, I'll give you the money myself. There. And you did do it. Didn't you have to do it once? I did have to do it once. There was um, The question was, name a way of toasting somebody. And what would you say? Toasting somebody? Cheers. Yeah, yeah. cheers. Cheers, yeah. A bottoms up. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. We got, uh, this woman said, over an open fire. <laughs> And I said, if it's up there, I'll give you the money myself. And it was answer, it was worth £12, so it must have been one of the, the lower answers. But it was there. Of our 100 people, 12 people said it. <laughs> what? And you gave them the money. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, fantastic. Isn't it? Luckily, it was only £12. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't the jackpot. <laughs> so now the hairspray opens. You're going to be socially distanced at first and then everybody's going to hopefully, more and more people will see it. Will you do me a favour? Will you send lovely Michael, my love, and just remind him not to get his boobs out all the time because he did that to my daughter. He showed my daughter. <laughs> no, don't look at me like that, Sam. He did what? <laughs> no, because Les, explain. It's not his own bosoms. No, uh, it's not his own bosoms. He's Edna. He's he's dressed as Edna, and uh, well, no, he, he is Edna. One, once he becomes Edna, he's Edna. The same as the the famous Dame Edna, you know, becomes Edna once once that the glasses and everything go on. Um, so yeah, I, I will tell him most definitely not to do that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, tell me not to get my fingernails out. Yes, no Aww. fingernails from you and no boobs from Michael Ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, so Hairspray the musical returns to the West End on Monday, the twenty first of June at the London Coliseum, and it'll run until the 29th of September. Les, what an absolute pleasure! Thanks for coming Thank to the show. Thank you, Les. Love you, Les. Great to talk to you. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. 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 The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Comedy comes as naturally as breathing for our next guest, and he's about to exhale. Series 2 of Sky One's superb comedy, Intelligence, returns on Tuesday. And here to tell us more is a man that's on to a winner-winner with David Schwimmer. It's the star of the show, Nick Mohammed. <laughs> oh, my arms flew in the air because I am such a super fan, Nick. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks, Gabby. Thank you for that. Thanks for that intro as well. That was nice. Oh, you... But you, this is such a... It's so funny. You are... you one of those people that... You know, when people talk about funny bones, you literally have funny bones. Oh, well, thank you. I don't know if that's true, but, you know, I am... Um, uh, that's very kind of you to say. I'm glad, I'm glad you like this show, that's for sure. Well, I like everything you do. But you've... So you've written, you've directed, you star in Intelligence. It's coming to Sky 
Sky One. I, it's it's season two. If season one, if season two could be any better than season one, I just then it's go, it's going to go through the roof. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, we were we kind of had. I mean, you know, the, the pandemic obviously shifted our, our filming a little bit, but it did mean it, it weirdly meant that, that I could spend a little bit longer on uh, the scripts and so I guess we, we maybe even poured over them I mean you know we pour over them a lot anyway but um we, we probably poured over them more than was maybe even <laughs> necessary. So in in a way I've got sort of no ex, no excuse for uh, for for uh, not not delivering certainly on the scripts and stuff. And I should just say that I, I actually didn't direct it. Uh, a brilliant guy called Matt Lipsy directed it um who's wonderful and makes it look amazing. But you but okay so you write it, you're in it and also apparently you and David Schwimmer as it, sorry what you don't call him David Schwimmer do you? You call him Schwimmer <laughs> I call it but I only call him Shrim because that's how he once signed off one of his emails and so I thought well I might as well I can call him that now but uh, it does sometimes feel strange to, uh, to call him Shrim uh, um, uh, Nick for people who don't know can you tell us the story of intelligence and tell us uh, you know, well basically what happens and, how, and where it all came from yes so it's 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 essentially a workplace sitcom set in GCHQ which is sort of the government well, it's not sort of the government communication headquarters. It's exactly what it is. So it's sort of the slightly, it's quite computery. They deal with a lot of cybercrime and cybersecurity and so on. And so it follows this, this gang of misfits who, who work specifically in the cybercrime uh, department, uh, the cybersecurity department. And then David plays a, an NSA agent kind of the equivalent organisation, but in the States, who is, is sort of forced to join the team um, as part of sort of a global sort of shared intelligence initiative, or at least that's how he sort of presents himself in the first instance. And he has a completely different approach, a very kind of maverick approach. He's loosely, we can kind of say now that he's sort of loosely based on Trump. Um, and he, you know, his arrival just, uh, you know, throws everything into disarray. Um, and and then my, my character, I play a junior analyst, sort of takes a real shine to him. Um, almost looks up to him like in, in like a kind of older brother kind of way, and they just get up to a, a series of mishaps basically. And so, um, yeah, that, that's kind of what the show's about. And it and it came about partly. Uh, so I, I had a script commission um, from Expectation who who make the show, and um, I'd always found the idea funny of you know, I was a big fan of things like The Office and so on. I loved the idea of writing uh, a, sit- a workplace sitcom, which you know focuses on the some of the kind of mundane aspects of working in an office environment, but then putting it against, you know, the backdrop of the huge stakes of national security, that always sort of found, you know, I found the kind of base joke of that quite funny just because what they do is so important. And so, yeah, and it sort of took off from there. I remember sending the, like the treatment, the one-page treatment over to David because we'd, we'd done some improv workshop things on, a, on another pilot uh, a year or so before then. So we had met and we'd, we just got on really well and enjoyed sort of doing a lot of improv and uh, and particularly the dynamic that we enjoyed playing was this me playing this sort of quite sort of shy sort of diminutive British guy and him playing this quite alpha male Republican sort of uh, American guy and that was effectively the, the, the basis of the sort of Jerry Joseph uh, relationship that you then see in the show. Now you talk about ad-libbing but there is ad-libbing in the show isn't there? I know you write there it. Is, but yeah. there's, is yeah. there? Yeah, there's oh, a huge percentage of it. Is there? Well, it's well, it's it's weird. Some of it, it's it, it kind of varies. So we we always we always allow for it in the schedule. So some of, some of the sequences, which are when there's sort of you know five or six people around the table talking, we would we because there were so 
it's quite complicated to film because there's so many different eye lines and, um, and particularly with COVID because you have to really sort of minimise the number of cameras and crew that we could have in the room as well for this season. But um, a lot of those, we ended up having to, to stick to the script quite heavily. But then, but then often um, at the very end, we would then just sort of improvise a sort of version of the scene just to see if anything kind of fun came off the back of it. And particularly when there was two-handers or three-handers, um, David's an amazing improviser. Um, so is Jane Stannis, who plays Mary, Elliot. So, I mean, they all are, to be honest. But um, we would always, we would always allow time and, and have a little play afterwards just to see. Not, not, it wouldn't always result in anything. You think, yeah, we're going to definitely use that. But sometimes it really did, and it, I don't know. It's just a nice thing because it creates a real. There's a, there's, a, there's a little sort of twinkle in our eyes when, when, it, when it happens. You can probably see, you can probably see it. When oh, I bet it, I bet it's just when somebody comes out with a golden line, you must just yeah. fall on the floor. How do you hold it together? If somebody says an improv oh, line, you're not. I expect- don't. <laughs> I just don't, Sam. No, oh, I, I mean, I I, I'm, I'm the absolute worst. Um, I mean, again, I think with COVID, it kind of it did make things more difficult, and you are maybe inherently a bit more focused. And obviously, everyone's wearing masks in between takes. All the crew are wearing masks throughout anyway. So you kind of you, there, there was sort of less. It's usually that thing if you see someone else starting to smile or laugh, you kind of that that often sort of kind of makes you go a bit. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm just dreadful. I mean, even the smallest thing, I'll get distracted. You know, even even if it's not even that funny, just like a noise coming from sort of somewhere that I wasn't expecting will kind of distract me and take me out of it and make me <laughs> make me laugh. I'm very unprofessional. Like but. I said, you have funny bones, and I love that you're a giggler. <laughs> we've we've both seen um, episode one of the new season, which starts right. next week, and it is so funny. Oh, so you me. absolutely, you got it right. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you, thank you. If you want to watch Series 1, if you haven't seen any of it, then you can just say uh, intelligence into your Sky Remote Control. It pops straight up on the screen. It's exactly what I did yesterday. But we love it, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, best Thanks, of luck Sam. with it. Thanks, Not yes, what you need. Best of luck. Best of luck. Nick Mohammed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three undeniably magnificent guests already, but there's still lots more to come. The Fratelli's frontman, John Fratelli, shines a much-needed light on grassroots music venues in Sky Art's new three-part series, The Live Revival. It's absolutely brilliant. The lovely Lorraine Candy helps us navigate those notoriously tricky teenage years with her new book, Mum, What's Wrong With You? The gut health guru Gabriella Peacock turns the pages of her comprehensive health and wellbeing guide, Two Weeks to Feel Great. The dreamy space ace Professor Brian Cox takes his galaxy-sized brain on tour across the UK with Horizons, a 2021 space odyssey. And our main man in Formula One, David Crofty Croft, puts his foot on the commentary accelerator ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. All of that and more still to come. So let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? He grappled with gangsters in Gangs of London on Sky and is now tackling the Tudors on Five. The brand new drama, Anne Boleyn, starts tomorrow night at 9pm on Channel 5. So ladies and gentlemen, listen up as we kindly ask that Papa do preach as this is an interview. It's the majestic Papa Esiedu! Hey! <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Papa. Hello, my lovely. 
Hello, darling. You all right? Yeah, really well. Last time I spoke to you was about Gangs of London. Oh, how good was that show? But now, excuse me, Anne Boleyn, Channel 5 <laughs> is phenomenal. Oh, did you like it? I loved it. So I've seen part one. Sam yeah. has seen part one and part two. Oh, the end of the end of episode two. The, the, I mean, look, there's obviously. I mean, for Gabby and I were just chatting about it off air. They're saying there's no spoilers, but we all know we all know what ultimately happens. And at the end of episode two, you, it's it's just terrifying. This it is, isn't it? It's fantastic. So, how was it to film this? Yeah, it was amazing. Look, we filmed it kind of towards the end of last year, so we're all still deep in lockdown. So. It was kind of surreal to be, you know, outside of your house. Do you know what I mean? Let alone kind of like in a in a in a beautiful Tudor castle, dressed in like Tudor garbs, um, retelling like one of the most famous stories ever told. So yeah, it was it was kind of wonderful. But what's so different about this is it's you know I think we've seen parts of the story before, but this it's just it's very modern, but it's still it has the essence of of then I, it's incredibly written yeah 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 um eve our writer is is, is 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 very talented but i think like a real focus for her was to kind of center Anne's story because like we we're so used to kind of seeing that story told through henry VIII's eyes or thomas cromwell's eyes we we often see Anne as a kind of side character but she's like an incredibly majestic powerful um fascinating individual so we really wanted to center her experience and see um see how that affected the way the story was told i mean you use the word powerful she really was and the way it's played, I mean, you as well. I have to say, you are compelling in this. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, I'm making you blush. <laughs> I can tell. I'm with you. I can hear you blushing. He certainly is. He certainly you, it's is. brilliant. So this must have been a really easy yes when they asked you to do this. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, um, I, I knew that Jodie had been attached to the project and been a fan of hers for so long and thought it was such a... Um, but like you say, such a kind of refreshing and uh, courageous uh, idea to cast her as this character. And um, it, I could immediately imagine it. And then kind of like coming face to face with her queen, her queen Anne, it kind of like went over all my expectations. It was wonderful. So what, what was it like to work with her? Because obviously when you met, she's she's intimidating in real life as she is as playing Queen Anne. Nah, nah, she's <laughs> sweetheart. She's sweetheart. Nah, she's like, obviously, look, she's like Jodie Tudor-Smith. She's Hollywood. She's glamorous, but like, so down to earth. She had a baby on set for the whole time we were shooting. So no. She's a mother as well, you know? So, yeah. like, obviously lo- lots of the themes... Um, in the show, kind of concerned motherhood as well. So it was, it was good to have someone who was just real with it. So this um, was, this was her. Was she, was she, I remember. Was it the Oscars? There was an amazing photo of her in a yellow yeah. dress when she was very pregnant. That's that baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That baby. That baby. It was a beautiful baby as well. Uh, how how old is the baby? I think the baby will probably be about nine, ten months by oh. now. She was really little when we were when we were filming. She was like maybe three, four months. And the, and the baby was just on set. Somebody else was looking after. Her. Sorry, he, he, has she got a boy or a girl? Uh, a girl. A girl. Yeah, the baby was a real star of the show. That's really cute. It's I love movies. that. The baby's the star yeah, of the show. Cool. Love the that. Show. Um, so, Papa as well. Obviously, you were Hamlet and rave reviews to that. Is it true that you talked to David Tennant because he'd also played Hamlet? 
Yeah, I had a chat with David. I knew David a little bit because we'd we'd um, we'd nearly worked together before. So I, I I remember he was doing Richard the Second. I think and I went to watch it. We had a little chat in his dressing room. Because um, I mean, I I kind of like grew up watching watching him. You know, him doing Doctor Who, and I think I'd seen his Hamlet a few times on DVD. So I was like, Have you got anything that's going to stop me from falling flat on my face? Um, uh, you listen. You didn't fall flat on your face at all. <laughs> That well, is, I, I mean, that's a role to take on, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was an experience of a lifetime, a real turning point for me. Um, and, Papa, where was this filmed? Where was Amberlynn filmed? It was filmed in uh, Bolton Castle in, in Yorkshire, North Yorkshire. And, what, and, and so in lockdown, must have must been strange, was it? Was it with everybody walking around behind, with, behind the cameras with masks and what have you? Yeah, it must have been. Everyone's wearing masks. Like, it was a kind of thing of, like, if you even, like, touched a plate or a spoon or whatever, that had to be, like... Dis- disinfected it was weird but like it was also wonderful because like none of us had seen anyone for like six months so even though we had people behind masks behind those like visor things it was like kind of beautiful to be 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 away from home and with people yeah. um in a time when you know we, we all felt like we were going mad in our living rooms do you know the whole thing about Tudor times? I even my my fourteen uh, year old daughter, she just knows so much because they learn about it in school. Mm. So all kids mm. watching as well, it's just we we're, we're absolutely obsessed with Tudor times, aren't we? Mm, we are. I remember when I was at school, I read I used to read horrible histories and Love there's, that. there's a really good Tudor one, um, and it, it, it's kind of fascinating. You know, you can kind of. You can you you can get distracted or at least like interested in you know Henry VIII and his wives and you know Lord of Roses and all of that. It's all like blood and gore and roughs in it. So I mean that's enough to hold your attention for at least ten minutes. Isn't it, you mentioned horrible histories? That's just brilliant. You, the minute you, anyone mentions that, just makes us all smile. It's the best yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you took nothing from a history lessons at school, it was divorce. Divorced, beheaded, died. died divorced, divorced, beheaded, beheaded. survived, wasn't it? Yeah. It's the only, I think it's the only <laughs> thing I took from my crazy history teacher. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've got an A-star in your That's it, exactly. Oh, but this is brilliant. Congratulations on this, Papa. It really is. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you so much. Mate, lovely having you on the show. So tonight, it's, it's tomorrow night, I beg your pardon, Channel 5, tomorrow night, 9pm, episode one, Anne Boleyn. Watch it, you will love it. But it will, at the end of episode two, oh, I can't wait for episode three. All right, Papa, thanks for coming to the Thank show. Thank you, Speak Papa. To you soon. Take care, mate. Take Bye care, now. guys. See ya. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Live music is slowly making a comeback and we couldn't be happier. The live revival documentary series concludes tomorrow night at 9pm on Sky Arts. And here to tell us more is a man that knows exactly what side his musical bread is buttered. From a very sunny <laughs> Glasgow, it's the Fratellis, John Fratelli! <laughs> morning, oh. John. Wow. Oh, I, was, uh, I wish I could have that every morning. <laughs> we we wish lovely. you could sing Whistle for the Choir for us every morning. That would be, oh. be a joy, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be a joy? Oh, John, Lovely. So you, you you got a very sunny Glasgow there. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's it's really incredible. It just comes to life and it's like this. John, I sat down in uh, in front of Sky yesterday and I watched this incredible documentary uh, called The Live Revival. And it, and I watched part one yesterday before talking to you today. And although it was euphoric, and listen, if you if you love music, you are gonna. It's on available on Sky Arts now. Part one and part two. Part three is available tonight. I think it's tonight nine o'clock. Oh, tomorrow. Um, but. I watched it and not only was I entertained hugely by many of the musicians featured on it, but also I was, I was t- totally heartbroken because that, that element of the music industry, the grassroots element, really is in trouble, isn't it? Yeah, and God, where to start? Um, 
that that ecosystem is um, it, it's far bigger than I think most people uh, would realise, you know, and myself included. Um, you know, it's not just the musicians that play there. It's not just um, their own road crew that might come with them or local crew that might work in venues. You know, it's bar staff, um, it's door staff, it's the people who work in, you know, in, in every small venue around the country, there's a tiny little sort of, you could call it an office, but it's really, it's a cupboard usually where there's, um, where there's somebody in there throughout the day and night, you know, and basically behind the scenes as well. And you've got that replicated in towns and cities all over the country. Um, and my son as well, you know, up until the pandemic, he worked in a music venue. Um, so, so you know, he uh, he was another one who lost his job. Um, and it's just, um, if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have said, God, it's frightening. Now it's more, I would say it's, it's, there's a sadness to it. And it was kind of a sadness to be in, in that venue, um, having, having played there before. You know, because they're not, there's not museums, you know, they're, they're, they're places that are supposed to be full of life and uh, they've been dead, you know. Um, but, you know, on the bright side, we're not, it's not too far away, is it? Hopefully, where, where these places can open up and but, everybody can go back to work. But they need more support because obviously the pandemic's had this this devastating effect on the music industry. But but it's before the pandemic. They need. It feels like it feels like these 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 venues needed our support before the pandemic happened. So go. So stripping it back to the bare bones of a musician's career. You start obviously in your bedroom with a guitar, then you might go and go to an open mic night in a pub, and then you get a good response to there, and then and then you and then you then you move on to one of these grassroots venues. So without that, I mean, what what happens to a musician's career? How does it, how would it work without them? I have no idea, and it's not even just that. You know, even even when we sort of finally got a record deal and, and we're in the position to to start going out and tour. Um, in the smallest of venues in the beginning all around the UK um, there's a kind of system of tiers um, of sizes of venues you know so you play to uh, you know a hundred people maybe in your first time around and then if that tour has gone well next time you play to maybe 150 to 200 people and so on and so on and so on and it's always in small increments and that, and that's the thing because if, if if in a place like Glasgow, for instance, if if only two venues and uh, in, in that sort of uh, tier system were to close, then there's loads of bands going to find themselves or artists find themselves in a place where maybe they get to play into 500 people, but then the next step up and uh, of venue that's available is maybe 900 or 1,000, and that's too big a step up from 500, you know? Mm. Um, so at, at this point, I'm just really hoping that that all stays intact because um, that could really stifle things for a lot of people. You know, do they get stuck? Do they end up being stuck at a certain capacity? Because too many, in, in too many towns and cities, uh, venues that they would normally have then moved up to have gone. You know, I hope that's not the case. So, but you're going on on a tour, aren't you? In September, you're actually doing an intimate tour in September. Yeah, so we're doing 
uh, I think we're doing eight shows um, around just, just around the UK um, and something we wanted to do uh, in relation to the fact that that you know so many people in our industry um, are, 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 are struggling you know and sort of closer to home as well um, we wanted to do something where uh, whereby the profits at least uh, half of the profits would, would go to to um, a road crew who have been with us for a long time and the other half would be going to um, independent record stores around the country as well because they're they're another sort of part of the ecosystem that that need the help that's it and if bands like the Fratelli's are doing that then other bands will follow suit and before we know it then we'll get everybody back on their feet again John um, what an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you we can't wait to come and see you live Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank All you. Right. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's forgotten more about the universe than you will ever know, but see him live and you might learn a bit. Tickets are on sale now for his Horizons, a 2021 Space Odyssey tour, so please welcome the Space Ace with a tremendous face. It's the always wonderful Professor Brian Cox. Very good. Morning, and I've got to say that the REM there, the end of the world as we know it, is the perfect introduction. Oh, my God. Well, what because, are you... Well, yes. <clears throat> well, because, um, you know, when we talk about astronomy and um, <clears throat> cosmology... You know, we should this, the study of the universe. I think it's terrifying. And I think even, you know, professionals, the people who study it their whole lives, cannot get their, <clears throat> sorry, cannot get their head around the size and scale of the challenge. I mean, if I was to say to you, which is, which is true as far as we know, but how do you feel that our galaxy alone, the Milky Way, has 400 billion stars like our sun? I tell you what it does do, Brian, because I've had this thought process before. I tell you, what, it may, it feel it makes me feel calm, and I tell you why, because it makes me realise that nothing that we're experiencing on planet Earth, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but if you're ever stressed about a situation, I go in the grand scheme of things, yeah. it's so minute compared to everything else going on around us. It actually it actually calms me down a bit. That's that's true. That that's and that's one way of. Of looking at it but actually there might be it's possible that there's only one civilization currently in the milky way galaxy and that'd just be us so suddenly maybe you're not so relaxed because if we <laughs> if we mess this up <laughs> we if we damage the planet destroy ourselves whatever we do mm. then it could be that we eliminate all meaning all life in a galaxy of 400 billion stars and it's our responsibility so that's, that's the other way of looking at it that's exactly what i was going to ask you how unbelievably important is what we are now doing as human beings to this planet how important is it to the to the universe to the all these galaxies well i i I think it, it could be i think we should operate on the basis that we are the only civilization currently in our galaxy but outside our milky way i mean the chance of there not being civilization elsewhere is is low isn't it yeah i think so and i think that's what that's what i want to talk about you mentioned the tour earlier it's it's really about um getting together with these spectacular images of the universe and and looking out and learning what we know about the universe and the origin and evolution of the universe and life but then also trying to think about what it means because you know you don't find the meaning of it all in in a textbook or through the end of a telescope the the what it means is is something that requires us all to think about our position and our lives, short and finite as they are. And, and that's the idea. It's, it's a great feeling to sit there with, you know, hopefully 10,000, 12,000 people in a big room 
and all just consider these things that we often think about, you know, with a glass of wine on a dark night when we were students or whatever it was, <laughs> and, and think about those things again. And uh, Dapper Dave was very excited about the size of your telly that you take on, screen, on stage with you. You have a very big TV, don't you? It's a big telly. It's, a, <laughs> it's about, it, to the horror of my promoter and everybody who wants to actually make some money, I, I make it very difficult for them to make money because I, I said, well, what's the biggest screen we can fit in the O2? And of course, it's about 30 meters wide and 10 meters high or something like that. Wow. And it takes four trucks to carry it around. But what it does is it when, when you look at these images of Saturn and Jupiter and galaxies taken by the Hubble Space Telescope, it, they look beautiful at that size. And no one, even the professional astronomers, you know, they sit and look at these things on their computer screens. But if you plaster them across the side of an arena with this ultra high resolution LED telly, which is basically what it is, then you, I think that, that sense of awe and wonder just just ripples through the audience and it's a beautiful thing to see and i i get that you know when, when i when we first set it up and i wander out to the back of the arena and look at it it takes your breath away it's an incredible thing uh, now i have asked you this before brian but i have a problem i love looking at the sky at night i know i've said this to you before and my husband very kindly as a surprise bought me a telescope as a birthday present but it doesn't yeah. seem to telescope it doesn't seem to do it and I know lots of kids love this as well. And I, I actually have got loads of friends who suddenly have found the sky again, especially over the past year. Um, yeah. Can you just give us some top tips for doing this at home? The moon's probably the easiest thing. Um, so you can pretty much just by eye, get your telescope, point it at the moon, focus it. And once, you're, once you can do that, then you can swing around and start looking for the planets. And what, what happens is you get a feel for your own your own back garden and you get a feel for how the sky changes over the year. And then you start saying, well, which planets are up tonight? And suddenly you you enter this different world. I mean, it's Carl magical. Sagan always said. And it's that my, one of my great heroes, Carl Sagan, said that it's one of the wonderful things to you look at those points of light in the sky. And the more you learn about them, the more magical they become. When, when you realize that those points of light are other worlds. Yeah, they're stars, some of them are planets, but they're worlds with mountains and uh, atmospheres and storms. And, you know, and, and it just it brings the night sky alive once you know a little bit about what you're looking at. OK, so the tour starts on the 29th of uh, September in Cardiff at the Motorport. I mean, huge venues, the O2 in London, uh, Brighton Centre. And then in October, we're into Edinburgh and Aberdeen and Glasgow and Dublin, Belfast. Notting at the Motorpoint Arena, a huge arena that is. Brian, you don't need you don't need. Do you ever get nervous for these things, for these events? No, the, the great thing about those big arenas is that you honestly can't see anything. So I walk out on stage and I've got this huge screen behind me, which is really bright. So I can't see anyone. So the only the only reason the, the weirdest thing is when I'm talking about these things, and I'll say something and then I pause. And if it's completely silent, it's the opposite to a rock band. It's completely silent. Then then I get a bit of a wobble because I think, oh, God, they're all listening. <laughs> you need some binoculars so you can see everybody, Brian. You, you should do. have your binoculars or your telescope <laughs> yeah. out and then you can see them. Horizons, yeah. the 2021 Space Odyssey is Brian's tour. You can get your tickets available. You can, you can get your tickets now. BrianCoxLive.co.uk. Brian Cox, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Brian. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Teenage girl. 
girls are notoriously easy to understand and communicate with, but in case you're struggling, listen up. Her debut book, Mum, What's Wrong With You, is out next Thursday. And here with Why You Just Don't Understand Me is the brilliant Lorraine Candy. Oh, lovely Lorraine. Hello. Hello. Oh. I love that. That was great. That was a good introduction. Listen, have you done your, your cold water swim already today? No, no. I'm, I'm waiting for the tide to come in for that, Gabby. So there's a bit more water for me. It's a bit colder. Where, where do you live, Lorraine? Where do you live? Um, actually, I'm on holiday in uh, Cornwall at the moment. But oh. uh, normally I live in, in London, but I like a big dip in the sea as early as I can. It kind oh, of refreshes me. me. Gabby knows about it. Oh, she <laughs> likes her cold water swimming. Yeah. She keeps saying that. Do you, got... Gabby? Do you no, like cold water? No, I don't. I like a... <laughs> No, I like a nice warm bath. Thank you very much. Uh, Congratulations on your book, Lorraine. It's brilliant. Mum, what's wrong with you? As a mother of teenage girls, Sam's a father of soon-to-be teenage girls. One of my favourite things in the book was the surprise signs. You suddenly have a teenager. It's so true. It literally creeps up on you, doesn't it? Well, I think it's a a bit of a shock, isn't it? One minute you're putting them to bed in their little unicorn nighties and they they love you to death and you're the most important person in the world and then the next minute they can't bear the sound of your breathing in, in the kitchen every morning so it's a, <laughs> that's so right it's a surprise oh it's so right I remember my elder she she went to bed and she said no no mummy and she came out yeah, mum. And it literally went from mummy to mum and it, something happened overnight. It was extraordinary. I think it's so funny that you just said they can't stand the sound of my breathing. No. Because if, you, if you're annoyed yeah. by something, even them breathing is annoying. Breathing. Eating. <laughs> mum, what are you eating? What are you doing? Or Everything. singing. You can't even hum under your breath because that's a terrible crime for teenagers. You can't be happy. You can't be happy. <laughs> no, what do your teenage daughters think of you writing this book and have they read it? Well, they have, yeah. They're 18 and 17. Um, and obviously they read it and, and the thing they always say about anything I ever remember is well that never happened which is what they say about everything but um, I mean I tried to protect as much of their privacy as possible and there's a lot of expert interviews as well but um, it's humorous and there, there are you know I do explain why it's happening they haven't just turned into terrible people overnight they're brains are being completely rebuilt, their hormones are flooding in. So there's lots and lots of reasons um, that they, they turn into what I call meanagers um, at some point. It's all so much of them. I mean, I don't know if you can remember being a teenager, but between the ages of 12 and 17, it's phenomenal change. So it's quite a lot to deal with. But the lovely thing is they do come back again because my, uh, my yeah. eldest is 19 and she's back again. And it's lovely to see her getting through that. But this book is also, you talk about some very uh, really important issues like addressing bullying and teen anxiety and these things you know they are so vitally important and really important that we talk about them as well I think it's really important that we understand what's going on for everybody and then we can learn to listen to them. Because the one thing I learned from all the people I talked to is that as mums and dads, you just want to solve everything. You want to put everything right. And sometimes they don't really want that. They want you to listen to them. And the language they use, is especially around anxiety, the language around anxiety is is really important, I think, getting it right. But sometimes it's, it's more sadness. Um, and low mood and other things just if you don't sit and listen to them and let them get it off their chest it's very hard for them to deal with all that emotion and all the things going on inside them and I learned so much from talking to so many experts who'd worked with adolescents um, in mental health that it really made 
made me take a step back as a parent and stop trying to fix everything, to solve everything. Actually, Sam, dads are particularly guilty of um, solving everything. Mm. They like to be the sort of experts on getting things done for their, their teenagers, especially daughters. The, fi- the fix of the mender, the, the yeah, because I, I, often my wife will say, to, have a problem and she'll say something to me and, and, I'll, and I'll go, OK, so what you need to do is this. She says, no, I don't want, I don't want a solution, <laughs> mate. I just want you to go, oh, OK, give me a hug or whatever and, or talk about it, but not find a solution. I'm exactly the same with my girls already because Evie is 12 and mm. just she's just she's a hippie. She's the most chilled out child you've ever met in your life. So do, do all kids become mean ages or have I got a chance with her? <laughs> no, I think the mean ager syndrome is particularly pertinent to mums and daughters, actually, because they have to be their own identity. So they sort of have to reject your identity and and doing that like it can be quite it can be quite mean but it's just a lot of change for them to deal with i think they're all different as well i think we do often generalize don't we and say all teenagers are this but all this happening to their minds and bodies in a very short period of time can make them quite unpredictable so they'll all go through a bit of a bumpy road you've just got to someone that once said to me you've just got to hold on to the rope that they're holding the other end off while they they go through these bumps um all the way through adolescence Lorraine, what's so brilliant is that Sam came in this morning and said, I read that book and it's so good. It's good for dads and it's good, you know, of, of course, if there's a single parent out there, it's just good for everybody to just understand what's going on in a teenage brain. It's not just a book for mums. It's a book for everybody. Oh, Sam was reading on the tube me. yesterday. I was. I was, oh, I, was reading, I was reading on the tube and uh, I, think, I think it's important for dads to read just to understand teenage girls more, but also understand your, your partner more and also to show alliance to your, to your partner um, uh, that you're with them and you know that what they're going through is tough and it's not as tough for the dads because of the relationship <laughs> the fathers. But I was reading on the tube yesterday and the mum on the tube did look over and look and smiled at me and I thought, yeah, there you go. Ten points. Ten points, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm having a little read. Working it all out. It's a fabulous book, Lorraine. Thank you so much thank for coming you. on the show. Um, the book is called <laughs> Mum, What's Wrong With You? And it's now in the hands of my wife who is obviously the mum of a near teenage daughter. Great book. Oh, well, good luck. All right. <laughs> thank Have you l- so much, Lorraine. Lovely to speak thank to you. you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. She's here with her twist on food, glorious food and more that will leave you wanting more. Her latest book, Two Weeks to Feeling Great, is out now. So if your mood swinging low, are losing when it comes to snoozing or have woken up staring at the wrong end of a bottle of wine, listen up to the wonderful Gabriella Peacock. Morning, Gabriella. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, hello. Does anybody ever call you Gabby? Uh, everybody calls me Gabby. Yes. Oh, Gabby. Well, hello, we'll Gabby. Gabby. Two hello, Gabby. Gabby. Two Gabby. Listen, we've been talking all morning about kimchi. Can you just tell Sam the wonders of kimchi? You're the woman that knows everything. You're a nutritionist. You can tell. In your book, it's all about sleeping. It's the supplements. It's how to eat, what to eat. Good for the gut. Can you just tell Sam how good kimchi is, please? Uh, kimchi, it's fantastic. Um... Well, because it's a probiotic, so it has all these amazing microorganisms which then improve your digestion. But, um, yeah, kimchi is one of them. You also have kefir, you know, the um, sauerkraut, um, you know, also live yogurt. So, yeah, probiotics are great. Yeah, so, yeah, but hang on, Gabriel. I thought I heard that kimchi is, is, gone, off, is gone off cabbage. Is it, go- is it-, it is. It's, <laughs> it's fermented. fermented. And that's good for your gut. That's seriously good for your gut. It is, it is, it is. Um, it's just a differently prepared than the sauerkraut would be. Um, 
I believe it's an Asian influence, so they put chilies in there as well as a, as well as the sugars to promote the, uh, the fermentation. Well, yeah, it's great. absolutely delicious. It's brilliant and it's it's good for your gut. And but you've got so much in your book. So you've got about detoxifying as well. So that's a word that we always hear, and people are slightly worried about the whole idea of detoxifying, aren't they? They are, but I think you know, being able to talk about detoxification and, and liver cleanse, it's really important because what I very much believe in, you know, we, we should be able to live our lives and with life comes hangovers. So so, uh, so support detoxification is really, really important, especially if you want to enjoy your li- life and, you know, enjoy one or two glasses of red wine. Indeed, and indeed we do, especially on a bank, <laughs> especially on a bank holiday Monday. Uh, but also you talk about that you can eat lemons and berries. You see, that just makes me happy. All of these things make you happy. And then also you talk about sleep in your book and how important sleep is. It is. And, the, you know, the way I try to design, design my book and hopefully I have achieved, it's just to make a simple, simple guide for people. I found that there are so many... There's so many wonderful information about nutrition because it's, you know, it's quite fashionable to be, you know, to, to, to do health things. And the, the word wellness is extremely fashionable at the moment, but it can almost be too confusing. So what I really try to create is a simple, accessible guide which deliver people results. Um, so you can find yourself in a different chapters if you want to improve your sleep or rebalance your hormones or lose some weight. Um, this should give you um, easy answers. Well, also talking the word easy, you've got in here cheats pizza. Now, Hi. pizza is just it's everybody's favourite. It really it's don't you, th- Sam? You're mm. looking at me. You're, oh, no, no, you're mean, licking your lips. Oh, I love a pizza. I well, this is a cheats pizza. pizza. It's gluten free as well because I have a real allergy, a proper you do. real allergy. Yeah, you do. You do. Uh, but it's oh, I love it. It's, it's tablespoons of tomato puree and garlic, mozzarella, sun-dried tomato. See, I'm, I'm salivating now. Great, isn't it? The thing is about this is that I, a friend of mine once said to me who really cares about what he eats, putting rubbish in your body is a bit like putting diesel in a petrol car. And in fact, you know when you go to a petrol station you get the super, super unleaded and the super, super unleaded? The super, super unleaded is what you should put in your car because it is better for your engine. And I suppose it's the same with, with us as human beings, what we, what we are, what we eat, yada, yada, yada. We've heard that before. But um, you can do some serious damage. If you don't, when I first moved to London, I found coffee coffee shops for the first time. I never drank coffee before I moved down here about five years ago. And I became obsessed with lattes. And I would have extra large lattes five times a day. And I got... Five times a day? Five times a day. And I got, I, I got IBS. Because, and, I, and I went to the doctors and, and the first thing that she said to me was, well, has your diet changed? I said, well, I love lattes. And she said, how many do you have? And I said, I have five, five <gasps> a day. And she said, well, that's like five pints of milk, Sam. That's You're putting... A lot f- of milk. It's a lot of milk. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't start mooing. But, it, but, that, but the steroids in milk, your stomach is not, not cut out for that, apparently. I stopped immediately and the IBS met, went immediately. Well, if, with, if you get Gabby's book, yeah. two weeks to feeling great. In two weeks, you'll feel great. I feel great. I feel great. You're not a fan of, you're not a fan of milk then, Gabriella. I'm not a huge fan of milk. I don't have an issue with dairy products in, in general, but milk is quite hard to digest, especially cow's milk. They're quite big molecules. And we just tend to overdo certain substances. I do a lot of different blood tests with my with my patients in my clinic. And it's the milk, it's the dairy, and, and generally wheat, which, which causes a problem. And that's purely because we just overeat them. So... I don't have an issue with a little bit of milk in your morning coffee, but once you start drinking a few pints of milk, you will develop some kind of intolerances. So, so yes, I'm pro 
life yogurts and bits of cheese if you want to but yeah just watch yourself with milk and especially an organic milk because that's where you start getting all the hormones from um inorganic milk Unorganic milk, yes. Oh, so you have yeah. to get organic. You have to get organic. Okay, so, Gabrielle, yeah. come on, you've got to be naughty. Sam was asking me earlier. I'm naughty with ice cream. Uh, but so, come on, what's your naughty thing? No, what I'm going to say, it's a red wine, obviously. It's <laughs> 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 uh, red wine and some chocolate, I would say. But again, you know, life, it's about balance. Life, it's about living. And um, um, I eat pretty well and I take many supplements to rebalance my potential hangovers <laughs> <laughs> potential hangovers um gabrielle i love the i love the uh, the reviews on the back of your book donna air i wish i'd known everything in this book years and years ago jody kidd says i had no idea feeling great was going to be this easy and james blunt says i probably need this book <laughs> i love it the book is called two weeks to feeling great it's by gabriella peacock get it wherever you get your books from and turn your life around in two weeks sound about right absolutely well yeah Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Gabs. Bye, darling. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Bye, darling. Bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Like the weather, this F1 season is heating up quite nicely, and what better way to enjoy it than under the commentary parasol of our next guest? That's right, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this Sunday, and here to tell us all about it is the bar coolest cat in town. It's Crofty. Morning, Crofty. Morning, morning, Sam. Morning, Gavin. Good morning, Crofty. Where are you now? Right now, Crofty. Where are you speaking to us right now from? Right now, right now from, I'm in my hotel bedroom, which is on the eighth floor, um, overlooking the main straight of the track in Baku, because it's like a city circuit. So... um, on Sunday, cars will be going past my hotel room at round about 220 miles an hour. Wow. Just like that. That's very so good. cool. That's so that cool. That was timing. It was very good. Oh, he so does much. it with his mouth. Um, okay, Crofty, can we, before we talk about uh, the Grand Prix, can we please talk about the subscription that I know that you had and I don't know if you still have and people might not know that you had this. Is this the, um, is this the sausage subscription? <laughs> Yep. So we worked together many years ago, about 10 years ago, and you admitted to me live on air that you had a subscription to something and you said, please don't say it on air. So of course I said it on air. Uh, So 10 years later, I'm saying it on air again. Do you still have your sausage subscription? I I am sad to say I have let my sausage subscription lapse. Oh, Uh, Crofty. I know. I I was a member of the Sausage Club, um, which I know sounds like sounds like a really good night out um, for many people. Um, but it's, it basically got me free sausages uh, every month for a whole year. I had it for a few years. It was like the best birthday present. Uh, I think I got it for my 40th birthday that I was ever given. But now I have to go like every ordinary man, woman and child and buy my sausages uh, at a farm shop or supermarket. The Sausage Club is... You know, what's so lovely, Crofty, is that no one here knew about this and now I've revealed your past. (laughs) I want it. I want a sausage subscription. I wonder if you can still get them. I can't can't even say it, but I want it. It was brilliant. Sausages sent to your door every month for a whole year. It was better. Nothing better. Nothing better. We we get pasta delivered to our door every Thursday evening. It's not the same as a sausage subscription. It's not. <laughs>
Um, so, Crofty, Crofty, can we talk about last weekend before we talk about this weekend? Because last weekend, we Monaco, Monaco Grand Prix, well, is it, I mean, is it, is it fair to say that it was a, a pretty tragic weekend for Lewis? I mean, it, nobody else would say that about any other driver because Lewis always wins. What, what happened to mm. Lewis Hamilton? Well, his car wasn't at its best for a start. Um, to, to put it in technical terms, he lacked front-end grip when he was turning in, i.e. when he made his steering input into the corner, it didn't do what he wanted it to, and he, he had to slow down a bit more than others did. Um, he also he also suffered from the Carlos Sainz podium um, uh, 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 horrors for him. Whenever Carlos Sainz gets on the podium, and he's done it three times in Formula 1, Lewis Hamilton's finished seventh on every occasion. Is that right? So I'm blaming... Yeah, it is. I'm blaming Carlos Sainz this morning for this one. Right. Um, it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a horror for him. I mean, seventh is all right for most people, but not for Lewis. The thing is, though, Sam, as neutral observers as we are, it might have been a shocker for Lewis, but it's great for the championship. Yes. Because now Red Bull lead the constructors and Max Verstappen for the first time in his life is ahead in the drivers championship there's only a few points in it it's brilliant it's great for the sport I've got, I've got to say because my wife my wife Catherine loves loves F1 but she always says the reason that I'm a bit bored of it at the moment is because Lewis 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 wins she wants to see yeah. a bit more of this at the top yeah I mean look, who, I don't care who comes out on top as long as it's close uh, yeah. all year round yeah um so this weekend should be a Red Bull circuit again, but we might have the limbo wing protest. You know, we talked about limbo wings before, the, the rear wing that basically it, it's, it, it kind of stalls on a straight and it reduces drag, therefore the cars go faster. So we might get a few protests for that. Red Bull have been running the Mercedes haven't. Right. Uh, Red Bull should have a fast car here. Mercedes could be struggling, but then when we get back to France, that should be Mercedes territory. And we'll have these swings and roundabouts all season long, I think, because Mercedes are not upgrading their car anymore and I don't think Red Bull will do much either. And is that because it's another city It's another city circuit this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, but, but what you've got here is a very, very long straight. Uh, it's over a kilometre and a half long um, down the main straight. There we go again. Um, and that will help the Red Bull because the Red Bull's got, I think, more top speed, possibly helped by the limbo wing. We'll see if they run it or not and if it makes any difference. And, and, what, and, and, and Max Verstappen. I love Max Verstappen. Have you seen Drive to Survive, mm. Gabs, the series Drive to Survive? No, I haven't. So you should watch, you should watch it because you'll love it. Even if you're not into F1, it will get you into F1. Chris keeps going on about it and Rachel, oh. so I will. I will. It's so no, good. I love F1. It's I do so, love it. It's, so, it's, so, it's just so beautifully produced. But one thing that I love about it is that you get to meet the drivers and get to understand the drivers and what makes them tick. And Max Verstappen seems to have this look in his eyes like he's never going to be yours or anyone else's best friend, but he's always going to mm. win. He's going to go out there to win. He's got this killer instinct to him. Yeah, and, and, and that killer instinct, I think, is coming to the fore this year. I've never seen Max look more chilled, uh, more calm, more, more calculated, um, and more knowing that he's got a very good car underneath him that can give him that championship. You know, it, it, if he was to play a movie star at the moment, he'd be the Bond villain yeah, who he knows would. That, <laughs> he those, great. that those laser sharks are going to wipe out 007. You know, yeah. he's, he's got that look. So Where like, was it? Where was it when he grabbed somebody, grabbed another driver back? Backstage, backstage, after the Grand Prix, he wasn't very happy with what happened. He physically went over and grabbed one and grabbed one. As in, you do that again, pal, I'll knock your head off. He's it was got, Brazil. It was it Brazil. It was yeah. It was Interlagos a few years ago. It was Esteban Ocon was the other driver, and they had a bit of fisticuffs uh, by the weighing bridge because Ocon tried tried to get past and unlap himself and crashed into Verstappen and cost him the victory. 
That's right, that's right, that's right. And Verstappen wasn't happy, but he's feisty. So, so he he's the James Bond villain. Who's yeah. James Bond of the drivers then? Lewis Hamilton. Oh, is it Lewis? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it probably is Lewis Hamilton. He's such a hero. Suave and sophisticated. He's such a hero. And he is a hero. Oh. But he's got this villain. He's got this villain who's currently in the lead. He's currently beating him. Just like a James Bond <laughs> Oh, it is, it is, Gabs, it is. In Azerbaijan, it's perfect. I know, it is. For James yeah. Bond, yes. It is, it is. Oh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, mate. You take care of yourself. Lots of sunscreen, you. lots of sunscreen. And Lots of sausages. Lots of sausages. Sunscreen and sausages. Crofty's out book. It'll be out soon. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, buddy. Bye, 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 bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you for listening to this podcast. The best bits from the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Chris will be back next week. And don't forget, subscribe now and you'll never miss a week of The Breakfast Show. 